This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Equity Minds. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. If you're joining us for the very first time, welcome and thank you for becoming an Equity Mate. If you're still getting up to speed with the basics, you can check out our Get Started Investing podcast. But let's crack on. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode. I think we've got a lot to talk about your lifestyle creep is becoming more and more noticeable. Why? What's happened? I found out yesterday you haven't been buying glass Tupperware rather than plastic Tupperware. Oh, this is going to be more of an indictment on you. <laughs> Lost touch with the common man. <laughs> Mate, there are so many reasons that glass Tupperware supersedes plastic. <laughs> but you know one reason it doesn't? When you drop it in Hyde Park, it <laughs> smashes and it ruins your lunch. This is true. This is true. It was an unintentional drop. But um, luckily for the Hyde Park birds, those bin chickens, they would have had free pickings with glass at in my it. pasta with glass in it. Unlike me, plastic Tupperware could throw it off this building and it would be fine. <laughs> yes, for context, I did drop a glass Tupperware full of lunch in Hyde Park here in Sydney. And it's um, just another example of you succumbing to lifestyle creep. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had glass Tupperware from a young age, so I haven't changed. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, we're not here to talk about no, uh, no, no. your spending. We're here to talk about your investing. Everyone's and investing. We've got a lot to cover today. Uh, we've got. We're going to talk about investing thesis, thesi, thesi, whatever the plural of that is. Bryce has put a heading in here in our notes. Something I came across this week. Bullshit or not? Yeah. Oh, wait, are we swearing on this? That's fine. <laughs> and uh, then we're going to. Dig into our Equity Mates portfolio and Equity Mates Uncovered. But to kick us off, Bryce, you've got something where which is just titled Feel Good. <laughs> yeah, feel good. I don't know. I just thought I wanted to start on a positive note and just... Oh, rather than me talking about your Tupperware. <laughs> <laughs> and just sort of continue to remind the Equity Mates audience, you at home, continue to remind ourselves, Ren, about the beauty of the industry that we're in, or I guess about the beauty of investing is that unlike many industries, 
You don't need a degree or any sort of formal training to reap the rewards just as much as someone who has done years of study and training. And I've been listening to, I was listening to a podcast and uh, this is a a quote, well, this is um, from a guy called Morgan Housel and it's his general thoughts on how to think about finance, finance, investing and behavior. Well, I would first say that most of finance, particularly at the academic level, not by everybody, but it tends to be taught like it's math. Like if we just have the right data and the right formula, it'll spit out the right answer and then we're all set. So like, like, like physics works. And I just think there's so much evidence, particularly between 2008 and COVID and like during the moments of upheaval that finance is not it's not math. Math plays a role, but it's really just behavior. It's how people think about greed, fear, risk, uncertainty, social aspirations, keeping up with the Joneses. That's what really makes the biggest difference. You, you will never find a, the, the uneducated country bumpkin that can perform open heart surgery better than a Harvard trained doctor. But if you compare someone who dollar cost averages into index funds to a lot of hedge fund managers that blow up, like there's, there's not, there's not a lot of other fields that are actually like that. And I think because we are taught like it's a math-based field, but it's actually just, can you keep your head on straight? Can you control your sense of greed and fear and risk? And do you have a proper philosophy around uncertainty? If you have those things, you don't need much more to do better with money. And if you lack those things, no amount of education is going to save you. So I just think that's an awesome quote to just to keep reminding yourself that there's nothing overly complicated about building wealth over the long term. It, it, what did he say? It's not, it's not about maths, it's about behavior. And if you can just be dedicated and consistent over a long period of time, like you can beat most fund managers. Yeah. I love it. Preach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, for those wondering who Morgan Housel is, um, it's worth checking him out. But he, I think he's a partner at the Collaborative Fund and he's an author um, and um, speaks a lot on sort of personal finance and, and um, building wealth in a very sort of simplistic way. So it's great. Nice. Well, Bryce, I wanted to bring something to the table today around investing theses uh, because I also heard something this week. I didn't uh, clip it, uh, but I heard someone this week say something that made me think. They said, every investment thesis boils down to two things, a short-term catalyst or a long-term trend. Okay. It's an interesting one because you think about that and it makes sense. We can think of examples uh, of both of those things. You know, um, someone might be investing in Woodside today and they think there's a short-term catalyst. Oil price is going to get back above $100. Or people are investing in a company like Ordinate uh, because of the long-term trend around like the digitization of audio or, you know, BHP because of the long-term trend in growth of battery minerals. I'm sure there's plenty more we can think of. There would be plenty more, yeah. <laughs> Uh, And we can even think about it in terms of investors. You know, Warren Buffett is the classic example of like just riding the long-term trend. And then there are investors that have made a lot of money from short-term catalysts. Mm. Bill Ackman probably is the one that comes to mind recently. I would say the MVP of COVID, if we're big bets, calling such a thing. Mm. He, how he entered and how he exited COVID was pretty amazing. He 
uh, turned $27 million into $2.6 billion with credit default swaps in early 2020. And then uh, he was really early on the inflation trade. Mm. Saw it before Reserve Bank saw it, surprisingly. Turned $170 million into $2.7 billion shorting government bonds. And so you can think, you know, like short-term catalyst, long-term trend, that, that distinction kind of makes sense. Whenever we're investing in a company, they're the two reasons. But as I thought more about it, it feels a bit incomplete. It feels like there's a bunch of companies that we probably invest in or that um, a lot of people are thinking about investing in, which it doesn't quite fit into those two buckets. So I wanted to sort of unpack the idea and talk about why else we would invest in companies or what what else would underpin a thesis. Okay. So I've got a couple. I don't know if any come to mind for you. Uh, I mean, there's sort of buckets that I think about. I mean, obviously there's a hardcore valuation play. But I think the I think the point with valuation is like valuation in and of itself isn't an investment thesis because like something can be valued and can continue to be undervalued. How when how does the market realize its value? And this guy was saying short term catalyst or long term trend. Uh, I disagree. Like people are looking for like just mi- general mispricing. Yeah, that is the thesis. Like I think short term catalyst or long term pricing, like or long term trend, under both of those, like heaps of stuff is going to fit. What I'm saying is, I think fi- like that. I think that I think people do invest purely based on valuation. But is that sensible? Like the last decade we've seen value value investors just get taken to the cleaners trying to invest in deep value. The question wasn't what is a sensible thesis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, new rule. Underpinning everything we talk about, is it sensible? <laughs> I mean, there's there has been times in history where it's been sensible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like we have spoken, as you said, we've spoken to people who like – deep value like i am just looking for something here that yeah but that strategy hasn't done too well over the past decade no yeah but then similarly like i think and this probably falls under short-term catalyst i guess but like there's thesis around if you're talking financials companies that just continually outperform guidance and continually like revenue drives stock performance and so like from a financial point of view there's a thesis that you just you're just investing basic based on that yeah so that probably leads to two because i was thinking about like what are the and i was like looking at my portfolio and i was thinking what are some of the other reasons that i would invest in a company outside of short-term catalyst long-term thesis and to be honest there's not a lot of short-term catalyst plays in my portfolio uh the next one that i had was exceptional management and sometimes there's no long-term trend a company's writing. Sometimes there's no short-term catalyst that's coming up. Sometimes it's just a great entrepreneur or a great leader building in a tough industry. And the classic example in Australia, I don't own this one, but Nick Scarly. Like who would have thought furniture? Yeah, but I mean the argument could be that the long-term trend is the type of furniture that he was doing at the prices that he was doing it at. I guess so. Like, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just – he's the – an exceptional entrepreneur who has identified that. Okay. Well, what about this? Domino's Pizza. No pizza shop should have been able to become this dominant in Australia and globally. It shouldn't have, like, the the reason it emerged as it did wasn't some long-term trend about 
pizza consumption or technology used to cook pizza, it was Don May and his team. Yeah, I don't know the long-term trends of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I reckon it's fair to say exceptional management is one. Are you saying at the exclusion of anything else? Sometimes, yeah. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> anyway, and then the, the fourth one that I was going to throw out was just sometimes sustainable competitive advantage. Moat. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you, you're not riding a trend. Sometimes there's no catalyst. Sometimes your management team is meh, but your business is just that good. And like the classic example for me is the ASX. Yeah. Like maybe there's a long-term trend in terms of more retail investors, but the trend, the long-term trend is actually companies leaving the stock market. Like we have less listed companies than we did 20 years ago. Management didn't cover itself in glory with this chess replacement uh, project and blockchain CEO recently no. left. No short-term catalyst, but it's just like the moat is so powerful. Yeah, I, I make, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would say now companies that you used as examples for Warren Buffett like Coca-Cola and these maybe not Mastercard and stuff because there's different trends there but like some of the massive uh, FMCG companies are probably just more that than huge tailwinds of yeah that's fair changing consumer demand and blah 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 like these companies yes they're appealing to like no sugar and various bits and pieces but the crux of the business is is just so defensible, their brand is so strong mm. that to take down Coke is yeah, you'd, you'd, bloody complicated. I think you'd probably say the long-term trend that Coke rode was the globalisation trend. Yeah. 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 Like Coke went from a Western product to a product that you can literally buy probably in every country in the world. Mm. But yeah, so for me it's like they're the four. I couldn't think of anything more. Short-term catalyst, long-term trend, exceptional management, sustainable competitive advantage. Well, you know that I talk about my checklist. Yeah. So I think... And these aren't like as individual as those, but like things that I think about when investing in individual stocks. Uh, So definitely financials. Like you don't want a company that, it might have exceptional management, but what if it's, I guess it wouldn't have exceptional management if it's just like failing on every financial measure. No, 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 (laughs) no. So, okay. So there's like, it's like you have to know the company. Yeah. You have to be comfortable with a company's financials. Like the unit economics of their business have to be good. Like there's all the like table stake stuff that you do that you do. Yeah. Then it's like is the share price that it's currently trading at good value? But then it's like why am I buying it? And that's that's these things. What's underpinning? Like what's the why? I yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. There'd be nothing more to add. Wouldn't there? No. Cuz well, every, everything else that I was going to say goes into the before you get to the why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. Well, out of those four, what do you think you, just by default, do you feel like most of your investments fall in? Great question. I think probably the last one, sustainable competitive advantage. If, if I had to just choose one, it would be exceptional management. I reckon if you put these four strategies up against each other, the founder-led businesses that list and just keep growing are the ones that, are great. And obviously mm. there's ones that fit into all four. Amazon was long-term trend, exceptional management, sustainable competitive advantage. Mm. My biggest individual holding would be Alphabet. I think that's... Covers fits. a few of them. Yeah, well, does it? Like not really any short-term catalyst unless it's going to nail chat GPT's 
rival. Exceptional management, I don't think you can say that about no. Apple anymore. I mean, Alphabet anymore. No. Long-term trend, like it rode the search trend. Yeah. The, yeah. It's right in cloud, but Yeah. I think it's YouTube. got a lot of a lot of investments, a lot of companies beneath it that are very much long-term trend. Yeah. 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 But yeah, sustainable competitive advantage for me is the one that stands out. Like that's why I buy it. Because yeah. as much as you think ChatGPT is coming for search, I don't. <laughs> yeah, well, we will soon find out. Anyway, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting to think about. And, and I think just to close it out, I think that's why there are some companies that are often spoke about on this podcast in investing circles that I just don't really get excited by. And like the classic one for me would be Qantas because it's often spoken about being undervalued. I was like ref- reflecting on some of these companies and... That's why they don't really tick any of these boxes. Qantas? Yeah. Management? Yeah. Alan 13 and a good. half years. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I think you could argue, you don't, well, you wouldn't have to argue, he's considered one of the best yeah, yeah, executives yeah. in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's not bad. So I think, <laughs> <laughs> so I think he, he would fall under, under management. Um, but anyway, it's a good catalyst to the next segment that I wanted to chat about, Ren, something that I also came across this week um, in terms of short-term catalysts. Uh, so before we jump into it, we're just going to take a very quick break to hear from our sponsors. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, so you spoke about short-term catalysts there, Ren, and I came across this actually through one of the interviews that um, that I was doing for an episode that will be coming up in the next couple of weeks on investing psychology. It's around the market activity, and this is very technical analysis, but it's just interesting to see how people use charts to inform investment decisions. And this is why I kind of had the, t- the title in there, bullshit or not, because you can you can make whatever you want from charts. Yeah. And it becomes very a, ma- a massive cognitive bias in terms of anchoring to kind of what you want to see, yeah, if yeah, that yeah. makes sense, yeah. But you might find this interesting. You're, you're a bit of a uh, US politics buff. There's a unique pattern that occurs when, on, the, on the midterm cycle. So midterm elections happen every four years. Yep. If you look at the charts over the, like the last 40 years of the American S&P, midterms act like a bit of a vacuum pulling markets down in the middle of to the late months of the year of the midterm. So the deepest lows happen every four years between June and October of that midterm year. And then you'll find that the corresponding sort of 14 months is statistically a really positive, almost bull market action. Now, I'll 
I'll show you the charts and I'll put it in um, the Facebook group as well so people can have a look. But it's quite compelling, I guess, to see that every four years in that late part of the midterm year and last year was a midterm year. Yeah, 2022. 2022 yeah. was a midterm year. Uh, you then see the markets run um, before sort of getting pulled back down four years later in that midterm cycle. Now, again, you can put it lines in charts and say that this happens wherever you want and make sort of assessments and judgments. But I just did find it interesting because the comment from this, from the expert that we had was, it's happening again and he feels that this year you're going to see something no different. Right, so he reckons we're in for a bull market. (laughs) He reckons we're going to see a pretty positive and strong S&P 500 this year based on the fact that we (laughs) had the midterms last year. Uh, I'm just trying to think. So the big market crashes... 1987, not a midterm year. 2001, not a midterm year. 2008, not a midterm year. 2020, not a midterm year. Are we sure that this is right? <laughs> well, I don't think he's. I don't think he was saying that all crashes come in the midterm years. Okay. But it's just like on the four-year cycle, you can see that the market gets dragged down to that low point uh, in the late, late, later part of the midterm year. Crash or not, it gets dragged down and then you start to see it bounce again. Okay, but like, it, but like... And then within those four years, it could go, it could peak and then crash again but, and then the bottom comes but through. But the JFC, the market bottomed in mid to late 2009 and then started running from there into 2010, which was a midterm year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As I said... You can make anything from charts. <laughs> you can make anything from charts. <laughs> and this is why I question it bullshit or not. And look, I, I'm just going to say I'm not going to add is it a midterm year as a fifth criteria for my investment <laughs> thesis. Short-term catalyst, short-term yeah. catalyst. True, short-term catalyst. Short-term well, long, catalyst. No, long-term trend. If every time, yeah. Double whammy, (laughs) double whammy. Anyway, let's talk about something more serious. If you are going to, um, if you're interested, I will put up those charts in the uh, forum and our Facebook group. So make sure you're um, you're, uh, part of the community there to to have a look. More importantly, if we're wrong, come and tell us in the Facebook group. Well, if I'm wrong, I feel like you would, yeah. I don't really care. <laughs> I just I'm not going to invest on this. All right, Ren, it's time to uh, chat EM portfolio and uncovered. But let's start with EM portfolio. We brought it back. We dusted it off last week. If you haven't listened to it, go go back and listen to it. All it is is Ren and I attempting to uh, chat about some of the stocks that are of interest to us and track them, see how they go. We've already had people asking where the link is to it. We don't have a link. It's not on our website yet. It will be, though. But it will be. So just stay tuned. We're asking ChatGPT for the code. Yes. And it'll be up there soon, right? (laughs) Now, Bryce, before we speak about the Equitymates portfolio, it's important to stress that this is just us collecting the stocks we speak about and the experts we interview speak about. Uh, It is not investment advice. We're not aware of your personal circumstances or risk tolerance. But with that... Let's get to the stock that you pitched, Airbnb. You must be feeling pretty good. It's up 9% in the past month. That's why they call me the portfolio king. Well, then (laughs) short-term catalyst, long-term trend, exceptional management or sustainable competitive advantage. It's got, oh, it would tick a box, a small box in competitive advantage, I think. Massive box, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. I would also um, say that it's got long-term tailwinds. Yeah. 
I'm not so sold on exceptional management. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty sold on exceptional management. Yeah, I don't know enough about them. Brian Chesky yeah. and... Um, I mean, amazing yeah. story. Yeah. So, yeah. But I'd, I'd probably go with those two. And short-term tailwinds. That was half of my pitch last 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 week was this massive return still of pent-up demand from... Mm-hmm. Um, from COVID mm-hmm. and, and people getting out there and travel. So, so Ren, we're not going to uh, add too much to Airbnb, the thesis, but we have had a, some commentary come in from the Equitymates community, which is great. And if you do want to contribute to the conversation, hit us up at contact at equitymates.com or via our social channels. But this has come in from Jen and she she just wanted to add a little bit of colour to uh, to the pitch last week and probably some facts and figures that uh, we, we didn't discuss when considering uh, Airbnb. So she's a former Airbnb host and was scared off a little bit. And I said last week that one of the big uh, sort of drivers of my thesis was a lot of uh, they're really pushing for hosts to come, mm. on, to come on because you need obviously supply and demand on both sides of the marketplace. But she said that the regulatory environment was rather challenging and by this she meant taxation. She's, she was not a, she's not sure that if uh, all hosts are aware that their income is taxable the same as any rental income. Well, that totally makes sense. And that by opening their homes to guests, they also become liable to capital gains tax, albeit prorated with no access to the six-year rule exemption. I I think that means for the house itself. Yeah, because your family home is capital gains exempt. Yeah, and so by opening it up, it's treated as an investment, I guess. I so, guess. Yeah. so that is something certainly to look into if you're thinking about becoming a host. Furthermore, she says very few insurance companies will provide home insurance for, for Airbnb hosts. She only knows of two in Australia and local councils are also cracking down and introducing limits on hostings. So, I mean, yeah, a few just things to consider and good to... Really, I mean, if you were to do a serious due diligence on Airbnb and go both sides of the marketplace, these are definitely the things to consider uh, around the likelihood of hosts coming onto the platform. Mm, yeah. mm. But I guess the fact of the matter is they've scaled their hosts with all of these in mind. Mm. I actually think there's another risk for hosting numbers that we didn't speak about in the last episode, which is the the whole host economy thrives on the short-term v long-term differential and what I mean by that is if you own a house you have the option to just rent it out long term 12 months whatever but the reason that so many people opt to do Airbnb instead is because by doing short-term rentals they make more money and that works for Airbnb as long as that gap whatever that gap is is worth the extra effort and Mm. the cleaning costs Mm. and dealing with short-term bookings and all of that stuff as rents just skyrocket in Australia, there's an open question about what happens to that gap. Does that gap close? And do people who own houses say, oh, well, the, the gap has closed enough that it's just, I should not just rent it, it out. It's yeah. not worth it. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's quite an Australian example and this is a very global company, but um, that's just an interesting one to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And like our Airbnb, you know, they're facing cost pressures on the or pricing pressure on the customer side. You know, everyone's up in arms about cleaning fees and service fees and all of that stuff. There's memes going around saying it's cheaper to book a hotel. So like if they're facing pricing pressure on that side, will they be able to keep the gap enough for hosts? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll keep a close eye on Airbnb. Uh, once it's in the portfolio, it doesn't mean it's always going to stay in the portfolio. That's the beauty of running a portfolio. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. When, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yes. Anyway, let's move on. Final segment, 
Equity Mates Uncovered. If you haven't heard of Uncovered before, we launched it a couple of weeks ago on Equity Mates Investing and in our weekly Thought Starters email that goes out every Monday. Make sure you subscribe to that to get more Uncovered content. But Ren, you and I, there are so many unloved companies out there that have great stories to share that don't get covered enough by analysts in the big end of town and just sort of sit at the bottom of the pile but we think deserve some light to be shined on yeah them. <laughs> we believe that every company is interesting every company is a collection of people that are working really hard to bring something to market or to solve some problem and so many of them get no attention. Mm. But all of these people could be doing other things with their lives mm. and they're choosing to do this and, <laughs> and they're choosing to do it because it's hard or it's valuable or it's interesting. And yes. so uh, we've covered a few companies so far. We did uh, abalone farming off uh, the Western Australian coast. Then we did uh, AI chatbots. Yeah. Uh, this week we're doing uh, the next generation of plastic. That's it. So for Equity Mates Uncovered, we're looking at Danima Scientific. Uh, I was thinking Danima. Danima, Danima. It's the same thing. D-A-N-I-M-E-R. For you listening at home, you decide if it's Danima or Danima. <laughs> we will not and be it's doing a poll. scientific, not scientific. <laughs> <laughs> and for those who don't want to deal with our pronunciations, the New York Stock Exchange ticker is D-N-M-R. Nice, listed overseas. Yeah, yeah, Uncovered's global. That's it. So uh, the the thinking here really started with the Ohio train derailment. I'm pretty sure everyone can remember the images of those those flames in the in the sky. Five of the rail cars that derailed and were releasing gas were carrying vinyl chloride. Now, vinyl chloride probably doesn't ring a bell. Does polyvinyl chloride ring a bell? PVC. PVC, PVC yeah. pipes. So uh, PVC, one of the most common types of plastic, vinyl chloride, a key component in making PVC. Gas is The gas is extremely flammable and carcinogenic, but it's a key input into the plastic making process. And the vinyl chloride rabbit hole is quite deep and probably not a rabbit hole we want to go down too far in this episode, but... No. Uh, suffice to say, it's a rabbit hole that people can go down themselves. In the write-up for this that we'll publish on our website, we'll include a little bit, we'll include some links if people want to go down. But suffice to say, vinyl chloride, not great. Okay. Even when it's not spilling from a rail car, even when it's just used in the production process for plastics, it's quite carcinogenic and... Um, people who live near these plastic producing facilities, especially in the south of the US, uh, where a lot of this is produced, have a lot of health consequences. So the question is, are there any alternatives to petrochemical-based plastic? And that's where bioplastics come into play. So yeah, bioplastics, Ren, uh, it's in the name, made from animal and plants, rather than what most plastics are made from, which is oil and petrochemicals. Um, And there are a number of companies working on bioplastics. You've got the agribusiness giant. Okay, here's where pronunciation (laughs) is going to come in as well. Agribusiness giant Bunge. That's how I thought, yeah. Or Bunge. (laughs) Probably that. (laughs) New York stock ticker is BG. You've got the big oil majors, Chevron. The ticker is CVX. Mitsubishi Chemical in Japan. And then BASF, BASF in Europe, which is the largest chemical producer in the world. So whilst they are all chemical producers, oil producers, they do have an arm that is looking at 
bioplastics. Yeah. They recognize where the world is going. But when it comes to pure play bioplastic companies, there are a few listed. You've got Secos Group in Australia. The ticket is SES. But this is where our Uncovered comes into play. We decided to have a look and uncover Dynama Scientific, listed over in the States, DNMR. Mm, mm. We could have also uncovered Secos. Yeah. Secos. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Uncovered pronunciation. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, this Dynama Scientific is a pretty fascinating example and... It looks like they're working with some pretty big companies, which we'll get to. So that's one we decided to focus on. So a little bit about the company. Uh, They produce bioplastics using microorganisms. They um, feed them plant oils and use them to create polyester. Over the journey, they make uh, ecotainer coffee cups, which use um, plastic, uh, like bioplastic rather than plastic for the inner lining of your coffee cup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they make that from corn. <laughs> this one made me laugh. In 2010, they received a grant to develop an environmentally friendly fracking technique for oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one, guys. <laughs> Not sure how successful they were there. Uh, but I was looking at some of their products now and, you know, they make a, uh, partner with companies to make things like 100% biodegradable dental floss. Um, they make barrier coating for paper and board products. So that's what keeps your coffee cup um, waterproof and stuff like that. A a bunch of different plastic replacement products, essentially. This reminds, so let's go right back to the start of the episode very quickly before we have a look at the financials. Long-term tailwind, short-term catalyst, excellent management or... Moat. Moat. What are, you th- what are we looking at here? Definitely just long-term trend. Yeah. 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 So bioplastics are less than 1% of the total plastics market and that doesn't surprise anyone, I think. And the, the question is, can they become majority? Can they, can yeah. they even just take a foothold? A leader. Yeah. yeah. Um, and long-term trend is also, there's a long-term regulatory and consumer trend hmm. uh, that's a real tailwind for them, mm. you know, banning single-use plastics in Europe, in the states of in Australia, you know, just con- general consumer sentiment and backlash. Massive question about this market though because there are so many companies trying to get into it mm. and it's like, first of all, a technology question. Can you produce a, pla- a bioplastic that is the equivalent of plastic? Yeah. Like from a yeah, like, use case yeah. point of view? Yeah. Second question, can you do it at scale? Can you actually satisfy the need of the world's plastic? Uh, And then third question, can you do it cost-effectively? And I don't think anyone is in a position to tick any of those boxes, let alone all three. Mm. Pretty fascinating, but uh, definitely a long-term tailwind. But let's have a look at the financials. We pulled these numbers from our favourite, I guess, data's terminal. And it's not Bloomberg, mm. it's Ticker. Ticker Bloomberg, $20,000 a year. Ticker, generally $180 a year. Yeah. But with our discount code for the month of March, it's 15% off. Yeah, the platform is designed to provide us with institutional grade research on public equities. It is phenomenal to get information on companies. And as Ren said, 15% off for the month of May, specifically for Equity Mates audience. For the you, month of March. For the month of March. If you use the code MATES15 
and go via the link in our show notes, you'll get 15% off an annual subscription. It is an awesome terminal. But let's have a look at uh, Dynama market cap of $235 million. The share price rent has been beaten though. It's down 42% in the past year, down 76% in the past five years. However, revenue has been growing at a nice clip over the last three years. 2019, it did 32 million in revenue. 2022, that was up 46% to $47 million in revenue. And 2022, it was up 24% to $59 million. Bit of a softer side though, 2022. Yeah, uh, the most recent quarter that we have data on, Q3 2022, they did $10.4 million in sales. Compare that to Q3 2021, they did 13.4. Mm. So they're down a bit in 2022. Important to note, as so many of these uncovered companies are, Danima is not profitable. They lost $60 million in 2021 off $59 million in revenue. So about a $120 million cost base there. We had a look at their balance sheet again on ticker. Uh, $286 million in cash on their balance sheet and about another $20 million in receivables. So based, if they continue losing $60 million a year, they've got, what, a five-year runway. Yeah. So that's enough time to get some bioplastics into the market. That's it. But uh, a key consideration with these sorts of companies is what they're pouring into R&D because... As you said, Ren, it's a difficult one to, to solve and they put a huge amount into R&D as a portion of total sales. $4.1 million in Q3 went into R&D out of $10.4 million in sales. So fair chunk mm. going into R&D. Now, as we said, the big question when it comes to a company like this, any company trying to bring a new technology to market, can you convince big buyers of your product to partner with you and to... I guess, give you a chance. And this is why we chose to look at Danima over some of the other companies in this space because it does seem like they're partnering with a lot of big companies. It's important to note that big companies will do so many of these partnerships almost as R&D. You know, like in many ways, having a partnership doesn't indicate a lot. It's like having a long-term, like converting that into a sales relationship means something Mm. because big companies always want to keep their finger on what's going on and want to partner with new and emerging companies and just test and learn. Mm. But there is a meaningful list here. So Danima, uh, a lot of their IP they bought from Procter & Gamble uh, back in 2007. In 2016, they signed an R&D agreement with Pepsi to really look at snack food packaging. 2018... Pepsi then actually invested in the company. So Pepsi part owns some of their company. So, I mean, that's a compelling sign, I yeah. guess. Uh, in 2018, they also signed an R&D agreement with Nestle looking at water bottles, uh, labels and bottle caps. Uh, in 2020, they signed a partnership with Bacardi to produce 100% biodegradable spirits bottles. Um, And then in 2021, they signed a partnership with Mars Wrigley to develop home compostable packaging. So you can see some of the big FMCG companies are partnering with them, looking Mm. at this space. There's Mm. obviously a lot of pressure on those companies to improve the amount of plastics they're putting into the world. Alongside that, a lot of the large retailers, especially in the US, actually solely in the US, are partnering with them. Again, testing and learning Target in the US, Walmart, Sam's Club, CVS, Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, 
Costco. Some big names there. Some big Some names. Big names. Yeah. yeah. So making moves. If you're interested in finding out more information about Dynama and reading the uh, the write the write up in full, it'll be on our website. Yep. Uh, similarly, uh, we will send continue sending out. Um, uncovered companies in our weekly thought starters email on a monday so make sure you are signed up to that as well you'll find information on how to do that on our website final thoughts ren i think you know as we said earlier like bioplastics is so unproven there's so many reasons why it makes sense Mm. but it only really makes sense if you can do it at scale and at a cost competitive Mm. rate Mm. and the reasons that bioplastics made sense are the reasons they made sense 10 years ago and mm. 20 years ago and the plastics industry is so powerful yeah. and so entrenched. Punting on this industry is as specky <laughs> as specky gets. But if you're interested, find out more on the website. <laughs> <laughs> now we've covered plenty of ground. Don't forget the ticker sale. So that's T-I-K-R. Link will be in the show notes for access to the ticker terminal. Mates15 is the code for 15% off an annual subscription. If you'd like to uh, contribute an idea to the EM portfolio or if you'd like us to uncover a small cap stock, both here in Australia or overseas, hit us up at contact at equitymates.com or on our social channels. And if you'd like to see the crazy charts that we were talking about <laughs> in the midterm election cycle, have a look at our Facebook group. We'll make sure we post them there. And finally, if you could leave a five-star review for us on Apple or on uh, Spotify, that would be greatly appreciated. We love hearing your feedback and it helps us get in front of new listeners. All right, Ren, well, two massive episodes coming up. This Thursday, we're doing a deep dive on floor and decor and MasterCard with Nathan Bell from InvestSmart. And then the following Monday... Wow, we're excited. We have a new concept that we're launching alongside Ed Cavalier called Is There Money In... And we're exploring whether or not there is money in a topic that we just randomly choose. And so Ed is kicking it off with Is There Money In A Song? And we're having a look at how people are now making money from... What is it called? Interpolating. Interpolating songs on TikTok and all sorts of weird and wonderful things. It's an epic episode, so make sure you're tuning in next week when we launch that. But otherwise, Ren, we'll pick it up uh, on Thursday. Sounds good. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.